Hey, 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 hey. I got some questions for you. Okay. Would you ever embezzle from your Fortune 500 company? If they were fixing the prices of lysine overseas, yes. Okay. So then I think I know your answer to this one. But would you be an informant, a narc, a fucking rat, if you knew your company was doing shady stuff? Uh, to the FBI, no, because I don't talk to cops. But like the SEC, <laughs> maybe like I could, yeah, financial fraud. I, I can. So if the FBI came a knock in and was like, I think you know this stuff, you wouldn't tell them? Uh, I mean, I guess if they knew that I had embezzled $11 no, million. No, not they embezzling, but they were like, we think you're going to know stuff. If I will be CEO of the company afterwards, then yes. Oh, okay. Also. So anything to, to rock, ricochet you upward in I'm the trying company. Trying to climb the corporate ladder. No, valid. Yeah, I think exactly that's completely right. valid. Yeah. Exactly. You sound just like our main character. <laughs> it's a good... <laughs> I, I really related to this movie. Maybe too much, um, which we'll get into. Well, this is a good start. This is MK300. I'm Nina. And I'm Corbin. And we are tackling our watch list of 300 specially curated movies one at a time and talking about them. Our movie today is The Informant. What I'm about to tell you, it involves something very large. Everyone in this country is a victim of corporate crime by the time they finish breakfast. Yes. Things are going on I don't approve of. I mean, I feel real bad about that. <laughs> Corn goes in one end and profit comes out the other. Weird, right? It's not just lysine, it's citric, it's gluconate. There was a guy who left the company because he wouldn't do it, he was forced out. The gluconate guy, he's out of a job. Would you be willing to wear a wire? We need your help. 7.30 a.m., I am approaching the entrance to the office. Good morning, Liz Taylor, secretary. You don't really need to narrate the tapes for right. us when you're Absolutely. making them just not a problem once it starts it is going to be intense uh, what is he doing i told him the camera was in the lamp no no how about this guy whitaker the guy's making 350 grand a year and he turns informer when does that happen <laughs> mark whitaker secret agent 0014 why 0014 because i'm twice as smart as 007 Oh, no. They will make me the next president of ADM. How can you possibly stay there when you've just taken down the company? Because they need me to run the company. That's completely illogical. Mark showed you that four white guys in suits getting together in the middle of the day, that's not a business meeting, it's a crime scene. There's something you're not telling us. Why would I hide anything from you guys? We're going to find out what's going on, Mark. FBI. What the heck is going on here? Mr. Whitaker, would you please come with me? Oh, yeah, I was good, right? Didn't I seem really scared? Yeah, listen, I actually felt scared. I want you to keep this secret. Absolutely. Don't tell us anything. It's very important to you, Casey, not discuss this with anyone else. I'm a person of interest in an ongoing investigation. Oh, my God. You guys still think I'm going to be okay at the company, right? I mean, you guys are going to take down the bad guys, but I'll be okay, right? <clears throat> this thing well, should... I think the corporate culture is going to change a little bit for I you. I so. Listen, I haven't been telling you guys the whole truth, but I'm going to clear that up in there today. What? It's a Steven Soderbergh's 2009 comedy drama film starring Matt Damon, The Informant. <laughs> it does have an exclamation point at the end. I just didn't did want to do that it. Part. I you was... forgot it. It's very clear. The Informant. It really didn't give me that exclamation point, so I, I dropped it. 
This movie is based on a true story. <laughs> uh, Matt Damon plays Mark Whitcare, an executive at Archer Daniels Midland. Isn't in it the Whitaker? Ni- Maybe it is Whitaker, uh, is how it's said. Um, either way, you clearly tell I paid a, a lot of attention to the movie. It's spelled like Whitaker. I think it's Whitaker. <laughs> Maybe I just type, I don't know. Uh, either way, <laughs> ADM, Archer Daniels Minions, one of my favorite uh, produce farm I mean, What's the word? Live, I, I uh, talk about them every day. Livestock. Well, as, yeah. Big into the agribusiness world as both Purdue graduates, ADM. <laughs> he works in 1990s Decatur, Illinois. And he, as a person in real life, became famous for being the highest level executive in U.S. history to become an FBI whistleblower. He was the very first person at that high level of company to turn to the FBI. I mean, it's based... It's, good for him. I mean, shout out to him. It's based on a 2000 book the informant no exclamation See, point there, that's uh, where i got by it. kurt eichenwald uh and is written by and it from a script from frequent collaborator of soderbergh scott z burns right. uh the movie was actually shot on location in illinois using wit cares wit acres whatever the fuck you want to say is real life former mansion yeah it's definitely whitaker mf <laughs> well shout out to him <laughs> matt damon <laughs> mike our buddy mark Mark. <laughs> you don't even know his man's name. Um, it's really not about his name. Um, alongside it's Matt not, Damon. It's not about his name. It's about being an informant. He's a nameless, faceless, uh, bipolar person. <laughs> alongside Matt Damon stars Tom Wilson, Ann Dowd, Melanie Linsky, Scott Bakula, and Joel McHale. This movie is on our list because Mina selected it as one that you had not seen, correct? Accurate. I picked it. Add it to my list for my never seen movies that I would like to watch with you purely for the fact that it, I love Matt Damon. I love based on a true story movies and pretty much anything early 2000s I'm going to enjoy in, in some fashion because I, I, I don't know why. They're kind of like the 80s for me. I'm enjoying basically anything that you put on screen for me at that point. And while looking to add movies to my list, I was in the early 2000s decade and I saw Matt Damon's face on the poster, and I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we couldn't pick what to watch, and you gave me a list of five movies, and this was the shortest out of the five you offered me, and I wanted to watch a short movie. Yeah, so I think throughout <laughs> our, our doing of this, we'll have like different ways of selecting it. Maybe we'll do a wheel like Abby and Jackson do at we'll some do point. At least throw some, we'll, we'll throw a wheel out there. Letterbox has just a, a shuffle function, which is nice. Um, we might throw a, a genre out there or a decade. I think that's, you know, like you said, you picked 2000s and then I, you know, selected a, a couple that I liked. Um, yeah. The that's, other options, um, I'm not going to mention. No, that's often how we pick a movie. Even before this list, I can't make a decision to save my life mm. and neither can you really. So you give me a list of movies you'd be interested in watching, and I tell you which ones I want to watch out of that, which I think works for us pretty well. Admittedly, at the time, this was probably of the movies I gave you the one I wanted to watch the least. Um, But I would say I'm not a completionist, but I like to believe that maybe one day I could be in the world of film and knocking out, you know, Matt Damon movies or Steven Soderbergh movies are two things that are going to be very difficult to do because both their filmographies are Are massive. massive for people in their respective fields. Yeah. I'm glad I could help but I, you. But I had to get this one off the board. <laughs> um, and I actually, I think I told you this, I had started it before. So I had tried 
and given up after about I mean, 20 like minutes. I mean, like, I understand. You might, yeah, you <laughs> might get for, for this movie. So what did, I guess what did you think before we get into the thoughts? Did you like it? I think I didn't really know what to think going into it. Based on true story, movies are kind of hit or miss. Um, and it really is dependent on what the story is. As always, I did enjoy Matt Damon's performance in it. He's just really good at playing weird people that are off in an interesting way. Cause weird it's, and yet extremely relatable. Yeah. And that's the thing of it. That's I they're mean, it's always, the everyman thing. They're it's like, always off in a, in a, in, in a way. And so 50% of the time you're like, I'm that person. And the other 50 of the time you're like, oh, now I'm that person. You can always relate even though he's off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But... And obviously he's playing a, this character. Fuck Extremely it. complicated. Obviously we mentioned it has diagnosed mental health issues. Yeah. I. Um, it was just... I, it was a movie for me. I wouldn't watch it again, but I wasn't mad I watched it. Three star film. It's... Listen, I... I think it's a lesser Soderbergh. It's a lesser Matt Damon movie. I Not see, his worst. I see why both of them are interested in it. I've seen Matt Damon approach these kind of ideas in these worlds. And, and Soderbergh loves this like corporate capitalism backdrop. Um, I saw someone describe it. Yeah, yeah. I saw uh, there's Todd McCarthy of Variety described this character as the wacky little brother to Aaron Brockovich. And I think there is really something there. Shit. Another Soderbergh film. It's just like, cause it's- Let's have a crossover with that. He, <laughs> he sees himself as doing the right thing. And obviously there's a twist almost or a reveal halfway through the movie that's like, oh shit, this guy's, as you mentioned at the top, embezzling money. And as it gets mentioned in the movie, it increases each time. First it's seven million, then it's nine and a half, we, and then it's eleven and a half, and it's we don't even know how much it really I think was. that's the best part is that we have such an unreliable narrator in a sense, because we're seeing it through this guy. He mm. the, the whole movie, everyone's information is based on his information. And so Including ours, which Brings me to my first point. The yeah. voiceover is, is what I wanted to, to Yeah, to hit so on, having so. this unreliable narrator the entire time being Matt Damon, I think really is beneficial to the movie, but also just like And if it didn't have it Jesus. Like look, it's a little boring. If it didn't have the <laughs> if it didn't have the voiceover, you would be really stuck. And now voiceover is an easy crutch mm-hmm. in film. You can use it's exposition, quite literally. You can, you can tell you everything. But the nice thing about this is that it's funny a little bit. It's a little quirky. It's a little weird. It's not, it's not straightforward. It's very in character. And like you said, it's unreliable. It's lying to us. It's leading us in an unexpected direction, which can be a little bit confusing. I think your point of it... To its detriment. Oh, yeah. I think to your point, though, about it being in character is the main factor of why it works is because it feels like... Whitaker feels like the kind of person that's talking to himself at all mm. times. So it really just feels like he's talking to himself yeah. the entire movie and lying to himself, which I think is why he gets himself in such a sticky situation. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny. Like he's doing bits. He's like, oh, we should, you know, make a TV show or a movie about a guy who calls his own house and like stuff like that. You know, he's, he's all over the place. This movie is extremely strange in tone. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think, again, that's where it like works perfectly for Soderbergh, where it's like, it's almost a black comedy. It's got this strange, just like super dry and yet ironic nature to it. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it's set in this weird, it's set in a corporate world, but it's set in like the worst kind of corporate world. It's set in the yeah the light, I mean, it made again, me feel they do a lot of things. But because there's literally no one that's a good guy in this movie. Right. They're like, they're building, they're, or they're creating enzymes to feed to chickens to make them grow fatter. Like, it's like the shitty antibiotic. Like, they're, they're a cog in the machine to feed everyone, but it's like, the just, when you think about it, like, the way it works, it makes you feel awful about our society and about everything. because yeah, they like, control everything. Yeah, and, it, and when, especially when you get to the part where it's, like, the illegal things they're doing and they were getting away with it. And obviously, Still our hero, you know, saves the day. Not really. Um, he whistleblows and, and gives it up. But I'm not going to lie, though, of all the companies for him to steal from, I'm not mad that he stole from them. Like, all right. Yeah. I don't care. But, you know, like, I think that's the hard part with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's again, it goes back to the relating thing where it's like you can understand where he's coming from. He's also very delusional. Or it's Like I said, you know, he thinks he's... He's doing all this, and then he also thinks at the end of the day he's going to be the CEO of the company when, once he kicks he off. He thinks he's going to get a presidential pardon. He's got big drain the swamp energy to him. Which, <laughs> um, I can imagine he, he might have fallen into some online conspiracy. I really right feel pipelines. like if he... I, I don't know what Whit cares up to these days. Whitaker. If he <laughs> um, asked no. for a presidential pardon Who was in it? 2018, Clinton? he would have gotten it, I think. Who was, uh, who was pardoned? What year was he in jail was he who was he who was he asking at the end of the movie was it i think it was Clinton. hw regular bush it wasn't 2000 or maybe was it the 2000s it might have been it was in the 2000s might have been just bush was it bushy i don't know but i think if he had waited gone for that dark era that we had there <laughs> Fool me once I think... I, I think he did get out pretty quick but yeah it he's a very strange I mean, yeah, character the movie takes place in 92 to 94 mm. so he's okay speaking of this movie though and quality of it it has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Thoughts? It, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It made like $44 million on a $20 million budget. Like it's Do you a agree success. with the consensus of a 79%? I mean, listen, I've been there. I'm not a Rotten Tomatoes head. <laughs> 79 Honestly, this see, this is, the, this is the problem with Rotten Tomatoes because this is, is a this movie. Is this the problem? Yeah, actually, this is a movie that kind of makes sense to have a 79, but I don't think it's a 7.9 out of 10. Well, that's not what that means. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying, where it's like 80. We'll say it's an 80%. Eight out of 10 people say this is a decent movie. Like, it's a good movie. It's not bad. It's good. Okay. Would you say that? Or would Pop- you say it's bad? Would you say this, if you, in a binary sense, is this good or bad? I'd probably go with good. Okay. So there you go. We would both say it's good. All we got to find is six <laughs> out of the next eight people to agree with us. And that's what Rotten Tomatoes is doing. We're saying it's good. Now, it could be 79 out of 100 people say it's a dumpster fire, three-star movie, which is what I think it is. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense that it's a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's IMDb might be a little too high. <laughs> <laughs> What's its IMDb? I didn't uh, look at that. 6.5. I mean, that's, see, that, that feels better, though. It is maybe still a little high in my you opinion. You just called it three. Good. 
Three out of five, so that's six. So it's a little Yo, high. you cannot just go all of a sudden, you're three, you call it a three-star movie, and now it's five, but that's that's stars on IMDb, and that's out of ten. Sorry that we're not- Get your rankings. If I say something is a star movie- I know you listener, mean five, but I you're doing IMDb, five. and it's a star, so- Okay, sorry. On IMDb, it's a 3.75 stars. Thank you. So it's better than what you think it is. Metacritic 66. Yeah, slightly. Um, I think this movie is well made. It's well acted. Nobody in it is giving a bad performance. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not really a lot. Of, I'm I listed the, pro- the people in it. Like, I you Biff know, you is recognize, in it. Yeah, Biff. Shout out Tom Wilson, um, <laughs> as well as Joel McHale from from Community and, and Big Washington uh, Husky fan. But Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. I mean, Scott Bakula. I mean. And there's right quite there. a crew but that's the thing it's just like a lot of character arc actors there's people in it who like i can't remember the specific person like there's one person who ha- has literally only ever done voice performances they were megatron in like the 90s transformer cartoon and so was like come be in this movie and do your first live action performance like he knows how to pick people for the right things and absolutely he'll pull people from anywhere oh i don't um, think there's anything technically wrong with this movie i think that what's wrong with this movie is what it's about that's not exactly interesting so and that's again that's the Soderbergh thing there's uh, a movie the the laundromat which is like trying to take fucking Cayman Island uh I'm I'm gonna get this totally wrong but it's like you know talking about some extreme heavy version of fraud that happens in the world right and And a complicated way and you know He's trying to make a movie about that. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is kind of confusing and kind of boring. And it's the kind of thing that would Yes, Meryl a... Streep is in a laundromat, and I love that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind... still not a great movie. It's one of those things where it's like, this should just be a documentary that people who want to like know the facts go yeah. watch. Not necessarily a cinematic masterpiece. The thing I love, though, is because Soderbergh's going to do two of these in a year. So it's like, it's okay if one of them doesn't hit. I'll, I love it. You them. can give me Ocean's Eleven and, and I'll skip Him and Matt Damon out here are just like... True. This is uh, one of many collaborations. Even, I mean, the I'm list sure that I had didn't is... even include his most recent ones. I mean, he cameos and No Sudden Move is, you know, COVID movie where he just oh, pops yeah. into the end. He's in Contagion. He's in all three of the Ocean's movies. Um, yeah, I... I think he's, oh, what was the other one? Oh, he's in Shade Part 2, must be in some small role. <laughs> like, he, he's a frequent collaborator. And I, I'm really I mean, happy. I love it. Like, that's probably one of my favorite things about when you watch movies, especially talking to you. Since I've known you, I've learned a lot more about directors that I never mm-hmm. really wanted to know, but I'm fine with it. And now I pick up on, no, this actor is just popping up in all of this guy's movies, whether yeah. he's a real character or she's a real character or whether or not they're just walking through the screen because they're like, okay, that sounds like a fun way to spend my afternoon, you know? And I I think that's some of the beauty of when people click in this industry and just get to do fun things with each other later on. And especially the ones that care less about needing their face to be on screen the whole time and are fine with being the people that just walked through and are like, nah, hi. And Damon, Damon, the king of the cameo. Obviously not in this movie, but we could we could go on with that. <laughs> you're Thor and you're Interstellar. Oh my God, don't even get me started on him and Thor. Anyways. <laughs> don't get Cody started on him and Interstellar. Thank God he's not here. Shout out, shout out to Cody. But um, did, you, did you really track everything? As the movie, like, would you say you got it all? Yeah, but that's me. 
I think I track movies pretty well. Okay. That's and fair. that's an argument we have often is whether or not I really did pick up on something <laughs> while we watched it. Because I'm going to be I, like, I, I think when you get into the weeds of it, it lost me a little bit, I'll, I'll say. Like I where? I, well, that, see, that's the problem. I couldn't even really get, like, it's just like, I think it's, I mean, when the twist happens, it's a little like, oh shit, yeah, this guy is really just kind of off his rocker. And then at that point, you're like, I don't know what to believe at this point. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me that I struggled with I don't think it does a good job of explaining how much time is passing because this whole thing is that he's like, like this is happening over a period of years where he's like gathering information. And it's like, I don't think it did a good job of show. No, it's like, I mean, well in real life, I, I maybe the movie's only supposed to be two, but like he strung these FBI guys along. His wife says really in the movie, time. this was okay. two years of our life. Right. But this like, I just, I don't feel that. As the viewer, I don't think it does a good job of just... No, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, they do tell you that, and I think that's purposeful because it's boring, so you can't really tell how long it is. Yeah, it's a drag. Um, I liked the part where he tried to say the FBI agent uh, beat him up, though. That was funny. That's true. I have... So something we've talked about a lot when it comes to biopics or based on a true story, anything... Mm is how close it comes out to the thing being over with. And this movie came out in 2009, and it's referencing mm. 94 to 96. That's re- that's pretty close in proximity to well, what's the happening. Book, the book it's based on was written, yeah, yeah, shortly after. And I think you've expressed that you think it's too soon to do stuff sometimes, you know, depending on circumstances. And I feel like this is a story that, it didn't need the the time afterwards because it's just. I don't like, know if we know the true, you know, re- repercussions. Of this will, we ever? will we ever? <laughs> you know, it's really affected because, me because ultimately personally. the douchebag corporate guys <laughs> that he was trying to throw under the bus got a slap on the wrist essentially and are still running the fucking place. And he was in jail for a little while, did not get his presidential pardon, and he's living his life as a, as some sort of chief level somewhere else. Like, I don't think it matters waiting longer to hear it. Yeah, no, I think this and I think it wasn't too close or anything. And I think it's rare to have it be, you know, just over 10 years after something happened and have it not feel this was jumping the gun a little bit. For me, sometimes I'm like, oh, you could have waited a little bit, maybe developed a story more. Mm-hmm. I think there, this was it. This was all that needed to be developed. And I think it was done well. And I also think, like, looking at the time of its release, I think it makes more... Like, I feel like this maybe doesn't even resonate as much now. Like, it just doesn't feel... Like, maybe it's too obvious to us. Well, I think it's because it's so relevant still. We're just, at this point, and we just know about We're it. We're too aware. It's just, like, at this I still point... Th- you think about, like, 2000... Yeah. This Obviously, this is 2009, but, like, financial crisis is in 2008, and, like... A lot of people beginning to realize, a lot of people in America beginning to realize like the ways that they've been taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and lied to and people at the very top not being drastically harmed or affected by the things that are affecting you. Well, and I think it's- And destroying your life. And and honestly, they're the cause of a lot of those things. So I think like this movie comes out and it's like all part of that wave and that change in thinking. So it fits in timely, but where it's like, like you said now. Well, and think about it. 
our li- entire lives has just been crisis after crisis after yeah. crisis of just us now realizing that the people higher up do not give a shit about anyone below them. And so we've always had this awareness that we're being screwed over by these Fortune 500s and kind of just having to be like, fuck, all right, like trying to make a life out of this, even though we're going to have struggles. And like, whereas our parents or older siblings who grew up but not, you know, like prior and had like some memories before us and stuff, like learned it at the same time as us, but have a prior knowledge of being oblivious a little bit mm-hmm. to things. And I think that, so I think that's why this movie has more of an effect you're saying this crowd. is a real artifact of Gen X filmmaking from Steven Soderbergh. No, I'm just saying that I think it has more of an impact on people that remember being oblivious. Yeah. Versus us who are like, duh. Yeah. I mean, and then also like when it comes to, like you said, this is as a movie. It, does, if does this story work as a movie? It's a Gen X artifact. In our lifetime of all these crises and terrible things we've seen and happened, this kind of feels like small potatoes. Like this is yeah. not, this seems so minuscule. Like, did- And maybe that's what Soderbergh's trying to say. Like it's bigger than you guys realize and you should focus on this more. But hopping in after the fact... But just a couple days ago, shortly after we recorded this episode, it was released that America's largest egg producers and industry groups have illegally rigged the market to drive up the price of eggs. This price-fixing steam was happening from 1999 to 2008, and they've been fighting and hiding it for the past 12 years. So there you go. It's still present. Well, if we did focus on it more, maybe society wouldn't be such a clusterfuck. But, yeah, well, maybe we, yeah. you know, so this was when we had a chance, right? We're gone. It's um, done for. Man, you know what? They're if not we, even if hiding. Whit- it. You know, Whitaker couldn't get a presidential pardon. No wonder. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to pardon Edward Snowden. It's the same. Like, if Whitaker couldn't, couldn't get it, uh, no one can, really. See Snowden's one where I'd be like, all right. Send Kim K to the White House and she'll see now that now okay. This versus Snowden, I think we'll talk about those as movies. Movies, yeah. I think Snowden's is a more interesting story to hear. Well, absolutely. That's the thing. It's like we get movies like that. I I think that's Oliver Stone. Snowden comes out in twenty eighteen. I want to say, which again, speak no. Think about when that happened. Again, speaking to the. That's true. Recency of 2016. an issue. 2016. I told you it was earlier than Speaking to the recency of an issue happening and then a movie coming about it. Um, I did write this down in my notes of something I, I did want to bring up. Um, when it comes to whistleblower movies, the mm-hmm. I don't think that by any means is a great movie. I think it's a pretty fun thriller, which is what it has over this. Yes. This is more, you know, ironic comedy. Well, because also Snowden has a lot more to lose. <laughs> Well, yeah. Than Whitaker does. He will be tried for treatment. Like, he all. escaped the country. Yeah. And speaking about the, I mean, the idea of a documentary, that was a documentary first. And then they. I mean, the documentary is happening I mean, the in, movie, the movie. in the movie. They're making the documentary, of course, yes. That's why we Citizen get four. Zachary Quinto. Thank God. I mean, the movie would be nothing without Zachary Quinto. My last thing that I had to Who say. Who plays his girlfriend? Is it. Shailene Woodley. I was going to either say Shailene Woodley. Or Supergirl, but uh, I don't remember her name. No, I don't either. She's in Whiplash. Sorry. Let's get back to it. The Informant. The last thing I was going to say about The Informant 
you stole at the beginning with your introduction about them actually filming at Whitaker's old mansion. And I think if I had known that while watching the movie, I think it places you there a lot Mm. better. But it ultimately like doesn't really feel like anything without knowing it. Yeah, it's a neat after the fact thing. It's yeah, like, cool, but it nothing's game. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, you're like, oh, maybe it helped them get into their characters. Um, I'm sure no more than the stash helped. I'm sure that was really his stash, man. You think he had when he recorded the voiceover? He had. I'm sure he did. There's no way. I mean, he kept him in character. Can't make the voice with without the stash. Um, <laughs> is this a good date movie? I'd say it's a decent date movie. Um, it's definitely not one I'd pick again. Uh, I think a lot of movies are good date movies because we like watching Will movies you together. Ever rewatch it. So like when I hear when I think about a good date movie, no, I would not. When I think about a good date movie, I have to set aside us because we're just down to watch a movie, right. and that's kind of our date. So I think in particular. This is not one that I would pick as a romantic date night movie. It's more of a casual or random date night movie where it's like, let's just watch it. You know, do some learning. It's not really one that I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards for their date. It's not one that's going to be pop. That's going to populate on a list when you search up good date night movies. If you like international corn conspiracy, this might be a movie. I mean, if you are from even that sounds more exciting. If you're from. Nebraska or Indiana, you're going to love this movie. But Decatur, Illinois. Out here loving corn. I think something that... I, this isn't true of all date movies because some, you know, if they're really gripping, but like... Are you hating on date movies? Sometimes... No, no, no I think you got to be able to like not pay attention a little bit. Like, you know, if you get up and leave, like it's okay. Why are you not paying attention to a movie during a date, Corbin? I'm just saying, you know, it's, you know maybe, uh, maybe uh. doing some smooching. <laughs> but the thing is like... <laughs> This movie, you fucking look away. Like, you're going to miss something, and then you're just going to be like, well, I missed an important detail about how the lysine virus was working. Or his next lie. Or, yeah, I didn't know that his... Why Why does he think his house is bugged? Like, all the... You know... Because his house is bugged. Because he has bipolar disorder. Does that make you think things are bugged? I don't know. Yeah, we should have looked stuff up more before doing this. Thank you guys for listening. And, uh... Maybe don't check this one out. Who knows what the next one is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode. You can follow the rest of our happenings over here at Cody and Corbin Have a Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Cat Podcasts, K-H-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Please follow us on Spotify, give us a rating, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow along for more.